We're continuing our way through the Gospel of Luke, and you remember, of course, that this is the Gospel of history, the Gospel of women, and the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. This week, we turn to the fact that the Gospel of Luke is also the Gospel of prayer. Think of this as a prelude to what we're going to talk about all through October, okay? There are three sections in today's Gospel passage. You all know the first part. I promise you, you've heard it before. The second part bothers some people. It talks about the grumpy neighbor that we wake up in the middle of the night because we have unexpected company. And Jesus says, If the neighbor does not get up to give you the loaves of bread because of your friendship, he will get up to give you whatever you need because of your persistence. So is God like the grumpy neighbor? No, that's not the point of the analogy. The point is we should be persistent in our prayer. The third section of that gospel passage really sings the praise of persistence. And if you need any more help, the first reading is a great, great example of persistence in our conversations with God. <laughs> Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We are all seekers of the kingdom of God, but most of us in this room are further along the path of seeking than the general population. We believe that there is a God. We have come to understand something about who God is through Jesus Christ. And we understand that belonging to the church community, both local and universal, is essential to our continuing growth in discipleship. Colleen and Jeff, you have come to understand this deeply enough that you have asked us to knit Lucy into Christ's body in a way that can never be undone. You have promised to raise her as a member of the church community, both as a member of Blessed John 23rd Parish and as a member of the worldwide church. But many, many people in the world are not nearly as sure as we are that God exists. They are skeptical of our claims about the man known as Jesus of Nazareth. They are extremely skeptical of an institution as large and as old as the church. We have an obligation to welcome and encourage those people who are seekers, even those who don't know yet what they're seeking. I'm sure you remember from last week's homily that you've all agreed to sit as far away from the back door as possible for the four weeks of August. It's still July, so you're not in trouble today. But I'm looking at you. Somebody stuck out their tongue at me at the last Mass. And you've all agreed to greet any spiritual seekers sitting near the door in August by saying, we're glad that you're here. You may have heard that Pope Francis issued his first encyclical three weeks ago called Lumen Fidei, the light of faith. It's actually mostly the work of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI with a few tweaks by Francis. I love this encyclical because it talks about faith and belief to people who live in the scientific postmodern culture. Francis and Benedict seriously engage with those people who question the most basic concepts of faith, acknowledging that many secular people see faith not as light, but as darkness that leads to blind obedience and fanaticism. They discuss the ideas of two people we wouldn't expect to hear mentioned in papal documents. Friedrich Nietzsche, who famously declared God is dead, and a fictional, a fictional character of Dostoevsky, who was repulsed when he sees a painting of Christ's crucifixion. If we really want to minister to people who are seekers, we must take their concerns seriously, rather than dismiss them as foolish. Until they come to believe in God, we 
are all that they have to represent God. We must be open to their persistent questions, as God is open to our persistence in prayer. Actively listening is exhausting work, but we must strive to have the energy to listen authentically to those who seek. When the young, uneducated baker, Isaac Hecker, followed his heart to the Brook Farm Transcendentalist Commune in the 1840s, he was so authentic in his search for the divine that the leading thinkers of the day, including Ralph Waldo Emerson, nicknamed him Ernest, the Seeker. After Isaac Hecker was baptized into the Catholic Church, became a priest, and founded the Paulist Fathers, he was always willing to listen to the people who themselves were earnestly seeking the kingdom of God. And a remarkably high number of those people eventually became Catholics. Jesus proclaims, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But there's a danger in our welcoming of the true spiritual seekers. We may set the bar too low for those of us already aware of our relationship with God. When we pray to our Father, your kingdom come, we're supposed to really mean it. Last year, a man named Thomas Bergler wrote a book called The Juvenilization of American Christianity. In it, he argues that we've become so good in recent years at promoting come-as-you-are spirituality to genuine seekers that sometimes we make it sound as if being a spiritual seeker is all that you need to be a true disciple. No! We are called to grow. To use the analogies of Francis and Benedict that really appeal to me as an amateur musician and a former optical engineer, once we have seen the light of faith, we must listen to the word of God. We need to be challenged continually by God's word to us, to grow continually in our personal relationship with God, and through that relationship, to grow continually in our relationships with all the other people of God. We have to risk continually, to trust in God continually. It's not a one-time deal. Francis and Benedict speak about the example of Abraham, our father in faith. Abraham had to trust for 25 years for God to fulfill the promise of providing an heir, to trust later that God knew what he was doing when he asked Abraham to sacrifice that same son, and to trust for centuries after his own death that God would indeed fulfill the promise of descendants as numerous as the stars in a land of their own. To be a person of faith, says Francis and Benedict, we can't just remember God fulfilling promises to us in the past. We must also remember God's promises about the future, to live our lives in ways that are authentic to those promises. We must open ourselves to God's invitation to keep growing. Otherwise, how will God make the future possible? Because faith is a task of remembering the past and being open to the future, Benedict and Francis declare, it is impossible to believe on our own. Faith is not simply an individual decision, nor a completely private relationship between the eye of the believer and the divine thou of God. Faith is open to the we of the church. We are strengthened in faith by the men and women of all places, passed on from generation to generation. Yes, we continue to seek the kingdom of God, but our deepening understanding of God's kingdom calls us to greater discipleship. God will ask more and more of us as we continue on the path of discipleship. 
like in any caring relationship, there is always more that we can give to one another. God continually challenges us to serve more, to grow more, to be more authentic, to be more, oh goodness, this is hard. It was in our prayer that Jesus taught us to be more forgiving of everyone in debt to us. The light of faith and the word of God continually call us to push ourselves beyond what's comfortable, to ask God for the gifts that we don't yet possess. Like Abraham, we need to remember God's promises about the future. And what better way is there for us to envision the promise of the future and the passing on of faith to the next generation than to celebrate the baptism of a baby? If we know how to provide gifts for our children and for the spiritual seekers in our lives, how much more will God give the necessary gifts to those who ask with persistence? Persistence. 